Hello, everybody. Welcome to Adventures in Angular. My name is Alyssa Nichol, and today with us on the panel, we have Eddie Hinkle. Hey, everyone. And Chris Ford. Good day. <laughs> and our marvelous guest is Ravi Veliat. Say hello, Ravi. Hey, how are you? And thank you for having me here, by the way. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So, Ravi, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and uh, what you do in the Angular community. So, uh, let me start when I you know, started off my career back in 2008. I started off as a junior PHP developer and uh, then moved on to a senior position, then a tech lead and a team lead. And, um, you know, meanwhile, I also went along with Angular development as well, then came in Node.js and then React and then Angular 2.0. And now I'm mm. working with Vue.js. <laughs> Vue I will talk about that, by the way, that's an interesting topic. But now I'm working with Vue.js as well. And uh, okay. as far as backend programming is concerned, I do Node.js and Laravel as well. And I've been training people since 2008, you know, whatever I can, I try to teach people. That's how I learn things, you know. So from that day till the eight, uh, 12 years uh, into training and uh, the last company that I left, I was a project manager and I had a team of like 30 people, 30 odd people ranging from all the types of developers and QAs and uh, designers and all. So then I left the company. I didn't want to spend the rest of life with those 30 people. I wanted to meet more people. So mainly into training after that and uh, doing some consulting as well. And uh, I have trained people at uh, Wipro, Capgemini, Conduent, Aviva, Etisla, TCS. And like those are a few of them. And uh, then there are a lot of smaller companies whom I train at. So, so I've been lucky that way. <laughs> hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. So you've like basically done it all. Like you, <laughs> you've gone from <laughs> development to teaching to managing. Um, there's like no and like from front end to back end. So it's like no yeah. side of it you haven't touched. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have any complaints. Uh, yeah, I have I have almost touched all the like I, I'm like the jack of all trades and ace of none. So uh, at least I can make it <laughs> make it good in training. <laughs> I was just thinking that I, I feel like we finally found the mythical 10x developer. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ravi, what are we talking about today? What is our topic? So, uh, we're talking about component communication in Angular. And uh, the reason that I have uh, chosen this topic is that it is quite interesting and uh, quite varied as far as the communication is concerned, as far as Angular components are. So we'll be talking about components and how, you know, components came in or how components are developed in Angular and how they're communicating with one another through services. And even if no services are there, how can they communicate? So that is, that's basically what it is. Very cool. Well, yep. let's dive right in. And I actually wanted to ask you talk about doing training. Is it full stack training that you do or Angular specific? It is full stack. I started off as a React trainer and, uh, you know, um, back in the day, I used to train people in PHP. So from PHP to React to Angular and then Vue and now Node.js and Laravel. So pretty much full stack. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. So shall we start the topic? Absolutely. Let's dive in. Sure. So I would like to start it off with a little bit of a background on Angular for all the listeners. Angular JS uh, was in the late 
2000 late 2000 2010 uh, decade uh, angular js came into the picture and um, that particular technology was the one which introduced components to us uh, however they were not used as much because the whole aim of angular js was to fit into the development Uh, that the developers do you know back in the day the developers did and uh, at that point developers were not very much at home with components and all but still angular js had components uh, and uh, then came in uh, react and react was the one that actually uh, ran with components itself and uh, it was then that all the developers accepted widely that components are actually the way that front end development would go i didn't realize yeah. that react was that old like that so did react happen before angular 2 hit yes yes and oh, wow. uh, that okay. uh, and that was the reason angular 2 happened you know uh, if you think about it i mean nothing officially uh, that i have read but if we think about it angular js and react they have different types of handling the document object model and uh, if angular js would have been the way it would have been or the way it is right now then angular would not have been surviving the whole race you know and uh, that's what i think where google took a decision that let's risk it let's bring it uh, totally uh, like or let's do totally something new which is component centric and which handles the dom better you know even better than react if possible and uh, that's why that's why probably i think angular 2 and 2 plus versions are now you know into the market otherwise it would uh, if react would not have been there then i think angular js would have been the way people would have gone for. I know talking with the team they a lot of they just had so many issues with with angular js that they didn't see a way around um without without the basically essential rewrite. So I know yeah. it was And painful the, like you were alluding to but necessary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the verbosity of javascript was mainly the cause and uh, mainly the way the variables were handled and all. and uh, you know there was no there was something called a constructor pattern uh, as far as class and object creation is concerned and uh, that was basically a function which has a lot of uh, context to it which is not how a function should uh, or should be and then typescript solved all the problems for them and it was actually really uh, courageous of the angular team to just revamp everything and uh, you know uh, they just had to risk the whole reputation and uh, it actually had a lot of uh, i cannot say bad reputation but developers actually didn't believe in angular at that point when angular 2 came into the market but then again now it is all again you know all all set to normal by god's grace because it is google that we're talking about <laughs> and uh, and mm. uh, it is it is actually doing things a lot uh, a lot better than so many other frameworks in the same same thing and yes so coming back to components so the, so just to just for the record components were there in angular js as well and uh, now angular 2 or 2 plus is having components as their basic building blocks and components are meant to be individual entities which are decoupled and uh, decoupled to such an extent that a team in india can code on one component a team in the us can code on another component and still they won't face any problems considering the code conflicts or Uh, only if there is a miscommunication between the teams would they face any problems you know so it's a human error that would lead to any problem if it is a component based programming now provided that these are decoupled entities 
there is there should be some mechanism that the developers should be able to take and they should be able to you know pass data between these entities just to bridge them together or maybe make them work together with each other so that's where the component communication that we are talking about comes into the picture and then uh, what i also think is that even if there is uh, like one uh, sort of a set as one sort of hierarchy that we are that we think about where parent components uh, where a parent component has a lot of child components and all in that case also there is a communication going on between the parent and the child so at that point there's no bridge required because they are like connected so interconnected components like parent and child easily can communicate between one another and then there are like two separate components all together who are nowhere related to one another and then they can also communicate so so these are like some types of component communication that uh, we would like to uh, you know throw some light on so first type of communication that we talk about is a parent and child communication so if you imagine any component hierarchy a component hierarchy is always a composition model so when i say parent and child we should not misunderstand that uh, by Uh, by the fact that a parent would always uh, be inherited by a child uh, in a component based architecture the parent is always composed of a child which means the parent is at the top and the child is at the bottom of the hierarchy in, in an inheritance model it's a different it, it's it's quite the opposite thing so in a in any component based architecture parent would be at the top child child components would be you know below parent and then so on and so forth so there is an easy way you know if you think about a hierarchy itself a parent can easily uh, you know pass a prop down to the child and that's where one of the decorators in angular now angular follows a decorator pattern which is very powerful one of the decorators called input decorator is what helps the parent to pass down data to the child so basically the child receives uh, the data as input from the parent and hence the name of the decorator input so basically a child can take data as as much as it wants as properties through the parent and the parent can pass it on so basically that's one set of a communication and uh, when the parent changes that data because it is a property inside a child the child's ui would change so that's also a, that's also something that angular has uh, and it is really interesting where any property that changes inside a component it would change or re-render the template the html of the component so if a parent changes a property which is uh, been passed as a property to a child as an input uh, the child would also change so that is one way of communicating from parent to child so there is a parent child communication going on and then there is the other way around the opposite right the opposite so where the child component can communicate with the parent like child component can send some messages to the parent so that is something called event that the child emits and there's there's uh, there's a thing called event emitter that helps you to emit the events so at that point there's a decorator called output decorator that helps you to get the output from the child to the parent so input and output are quite opposite so if you imagine input decorator uh, being used to drill the data down output decorator can be used to pass the data upwards to the parent and um, output decorator is pretty tricky i mean not that tricky but it's not as straightforward as the input decorator input is really easy but output has some other entities involved because output is essentially emitting events it's not like passing the data but it's it is emitting the events and the parent is listening to the event so so those parent and child communications are some things that uh, people generally do in angular components then people get 
carried away and uh, then people keep on passing the data <laughs> da- down to the props uh, right at the from the top component right uh, to the bottom component and uh, that's what angular uh, you know try to avoid and uh, that's where angular has fixed things you know if we compare it to its uh, predecessor uh, that is i'm not talking about angular js but i'm talking about react so if we talk about react react is just a view library and it doesn't have anything at all other than the view portion and uh, um you know react actually if you don't use any any kind of a state like redux or something like that there's only one option to pass data down to all the components is start from the top and keep on passing data drilling the props down to all the children and uh, that's what angular has solved uh, so say for example if you have a 10 layer level of hierarchy and uh, you have a component at the top uh, having some data but that top level component wants to pass the data to the 10th component in the hierarchy uh, you would not you would not actually drill down the props by the input decorator uh, input decorator is really good when it comes to two levels so from one level to the second one if you want to pass it out you know input is the best thing however if from first level to the 10th level if you want to pass the data input would not actually help much because that would make a lot of complexity as far as uh, uh, or complexity going as far as the coding is concerned maintainability is concerned so you're saying that's the red flag for someone to look for is if they're going beyond one level with the inputs <laughs> yes that's the red flag okay. like uh, rule of thumb never use input twice and that's that's basically <laughs> it is uh, so when that sort of a scenario occurs angular has already solved it you know uh, angular has a mechanism called services and uh, services follow a singleton pattern and that too intrigues me about angular that uh, you know angular has uh, you know i started off uh, with angular js and at that point i was uh, like that was back in 2010 12 uh, 10 or 11 i guess and at that point i was not aware of so many design patterns per se and then i came into react and then i came into angular 2 at that point actually you know uh, during those uh, th- those uh, few years i also learned some design patterns and i saw them being implemented in angular 2 because angular implements a decorator pattern angular implements of course uh, mvc uh, it implements um, you know uh, the singleton pattern as well and services are singletons so singletons basically mean that whenever your angular application get initialized those objects are created and they reside in the memory somewhere but they're not created the uh, second time which is not the case with the components if you create a component you can create so many copies of it like uh, you don't have to actually create copies but angular creates copies of it for you if required however if it is a service which is a singleton object um and uh, in that singleton object angular would never create a copy but wherever it it is required angular would just pass on a reference and uh, because it is a reference remember because it is a reference it is the same object that we are accessing hence if the object has some properties that change that particular property would be reflected everywhere that uh, singleton object is accessed because it's the same reference that we are talking about and uh, that's where the whole component communication is a success because the top level component can now communicate with the 10th component via a service via a messenger mechanism and uh, that's basically what uh, one of the ways that we communicate looks like and that's what we are focusing on right now so you know that's really interesting and that kind of leads to a conundrum that me and my team have run into a lot which is if you use inputs and outputs a component is super reusable 
But when you start to use services, that reusability in a different context starts to become really difficult. So I don't know, have you come across that? And do you have any specific things you've tried to approach in terms of like how you use services in a way that still allows components to be reusable without? Right, right. I understand the question. So uh, yes, that that is basically, uh, that is the trade-off. And uh, then we'd have to handle that trade-off because services, obviously something, if you want to use in a component as a service, your component becomes dependent on that service. And that's where the dependency injection comes into the picture and uh, your services are injected into the component. So basically your component would not be able to function without a specific service. So, so what we generally approach it or how I have uh, generally seen people approaching or uh, approaching this uh, or maybe, you know, uh, implemented at some places is that uh, we create a generic service, uh, something like NGRX, you may say, or something like Redux, you know, uh, but not exactly that, uh, a very miniature version of that, basically, where uh, we pass on some payloads along with uh, whatever the messages that we have. So basically there'll be, it's the same thing as Redux, like it'll be message type or or basically the action type and the payload basically. So so it will be a generic service that all the component would be dependent on. And uh, then whatever type of message that you want to pass in, you can pass in. The component that consumes that service would check for the type. And uh, then uh, if the type is available or if if the type matches, then the component would do something. Otherwise it will not. So that is one way of working around that sort of a scenario where you can create a generic service. The component would anyways be dependent on the service. That is uh, that is for sure. Oh yeah, that's that's really interesting. We hadn't thought through using like a more generic service. So that that's pretty cool. We've we've kind of gone a route where we try to have a like parent component that is tied to the service and then mm-hmm it embeds like just a display component inside of it so that we kind of like we utilize the service to get it down to a lower level, which we call like a smart component. And then we have like a display component embedded inside, which is using the inputs and outputs, which ends up being a lot of infrastructure, but it helped genericize things. So no, Hmm. I like that generic service. That's awesome. Yeah. And I have seen uh, this sort of uh, uh, mechanism that you're mentioning. Uh, And if I give you an example of that, I think we would all, uh, everyone, every listener would be more clear for it. Uh, Like if we talk about, for example, a login form, then the setup that you were explaining would be a login page and a login form, two components. And uh, your page would be the one that would be consuming the service while the login form would be more or less a display component with inputs and output. So that sort of a thing and all the business logic, like all the validations and all would be in the login page rather than the login form. Or maybe it can be in the login form. I mean, it doesn't matter. The whole question is consuming the service. So while what I say in this particular case is just have a login form component and have your generic service and uh, you know let the login form consume the generic service and... Uh, you know, uh, then run with it. So, so that is that is basically. But both the approaches, I find it uh, good because I have been programming in you know Redux and this this uh, the one that uh, we discussed about a page and a form. That approach comes in from Redux because uh, sorry React and Redux. I'm sorry, uh, where uh, you know people do this kind of a thing where there is a page and then there is a form sort of a thing. So uh, so yeah, that approach is also something that I have used uh, for a long time. But Angular you know, has changed things a lot. And uh, that's why this generic service seems more applicable to me. And I have I have not used that page and form sort of a thing with Angular at any time. 
but I would like to, you know, since you have mentioned that you have tried and tested it, I would like to do that someday. Awesome. Are there any other types of communication that you've played around with? Obviously, you know, you mentioned Redux in the background. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. there's different libraries. What other types of approaches have you done? I've also gone for NGRX. But then for some reason, I always feel that NGRX is an overkill. And uh, uh, the reason is uh, NGRX is all reactive state management, right? So so it uses RxJS and makes everything reactive. Uh, but if you think about it, Angular services themselves are reactive even without RxJS. So if you go for a subject and observable mechanism, services would still work and they would be reactive and all, which gives you sort of an NGRX feel, but not with those actions and all those things, you know, but you can implement that on, uh, you know, in, in a custom basis. But then again, if you don't use observables now or, or, or subject, and if you create services as a singleton object in JavaScript, if, if you think about JavaScript now, in JavaScript, objects are always passed as references. So if I create an object, like if we go, go for basic JavaScript, vanilla JavaScript, if I create an object and if I assign one variable to that object, now that variable becomes a reference to that particular object by default. So, so that is the way JavaScript works and Angular services actually use, uh, you know, JavaScript unknowingly that way. So they are already reactive. So because services are singletons and they are objects, they're, they're somewhere in the memory and basically dependency injection is equality uh, of uh, one variable to the service variable. And that equality is always a reference. So if you change anything inside the service, you would get that reflected no matter what unless you're calling an API or something. So so say, for example, if I have, a, let's take a basic alert message example and usage of subject and observable, right? So in an alert message service, I would never use subject and observable because that itself is reactive. It doesn't communicate with any API or anything like that. But say, for example, if it's a, if it's a resource that we are trying to consume, let's say uh, an employee from uh, an API server, at that point, the subject and observable would be something that we would be using because at that point there'll be no connection asset. So uh, there is decisions if we want to take, you know, if you want to create services where if you want to just let JavaScript roll with it, you know, uh, have objects and uh, uh, let JavaScript do the trick and, you know, make it abstract for the developer. Uh, yeah, a new developer, a fresher would always wonder what is happening. But, uh, you know, experienced JavaScript developers would know that, okay, objects are always references and hence the alert messages are passing and all. So you might have to make that clear. But uh, then if you want more control over it and, uh, you know, if you want to have API calls done at that point, you use subject and observable as well. So that is that is also some decisions that we want we might want to take if you if you don't want to be it resource intensive. Thanks. Right. I mean, I've been sort of furiously scribbling down <laughs> my thoughts as you've been going through this. Thanks very much for all of that because it's been... Uh, fascinating, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, so one of the things I wrote down is is uh, is finding the balance. Um, I will just elaborate on that a little bit. I I remember when I when I first learned about the um, you know having a shared service for passing data between components. You know, it was it was kind of eye opening to me because you know as a as a brand new Angular developer, I I have experienced what you've described as where you just end up with this huge chain of input and output, which is is absolutely fine when you're talking just between a couple of components, you know, exactly as you say, but then, yeah, you, you can just end up where you just, you just have this sort of huge pipe of stuff just go, right, it goes in and then it goes out and then it goes in and then it goes out and then it goes in and then it goes out. And then obviously you've got to handle it going the other way as well, which is, which can be a nightmare. And so, yeah, when I, when I first learned the, uh, you know, shared service pattern, it was, it was, um, 
it was fantastic. It took me a little while to figure out what on earth was going on. But yeah, now I, I you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And, um, and I recently showed that to a colleague, um, who I work with who had not seen it before and you know it's the same same result for him he was like oh wow this is great and and then recently i was doing a, a code review for this colleague and um and they had this sort of complicated shared service pattern going on and i was sort of like well you know you you're literally just passing some data from this component into the next component you could just use inputs and outputs for that and he's like no after you've shown me this i, I can't i don't like inputs and outputs anymore i i only like to do it <laughs> through my subscription <laughs> <and> my observable. <laughs> and like, okay so where where do you find that balance? I mean, is it is it cool to to always just go with a subscription, or or should you actually? Is there a point where you should go? You this is overkill to use a subscription. Um, uh, in your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I would like to explain it by an example. Uh, say, for example, if we are uh, going for a shopping cart UI, right? And uh, in that case, there is a list of products that we have, and uh, each product has uh, its own thumbnail, essentially, and that thumbnail itself, it's a component, right? And now what you're trying to do is we're trying to basically call an API for the list of products. And then we are, tr- we are trying to loop through the, those list of products. And then we are trying to render each and every product. So uh, so if we call that list of products a product list component, and uh, if we call that thumbnail a product item component, what happens here is that I would not like to call the API both in the product list and the product item because uh, when I go for the product list, I get all the products anyways. And all I need to then do is uh, the sen- most sensible way is just to pass it down because then I would not like to call an API another time, right? The second time. So basically I take the products while rendering the product item component. I just pass that one product down to the product item. So the, the balance that we find here is whenever your web services are, uh, like whenever you can save a call to a web service and uh, you know it's a two level hierarchy that you're talking about at that point we can simply go for the input and rest of the places like we are let's say if we take the same example like product and the cart right so cart is a totally different component and uh, when i add my product to cart i have to call an api and at the same time i have to update my cart at that point you know inputs outputs they would like be bizarre, like people would be pulling their hairs off if you go for that sort of an input output communication you know so that is that is where you make a decision that is where you uh, strike a balance yeah that is um that's a great example thank you yeah yeah the the balance is, is super important and um, something else i've scribbled down is i find it sometimes i find it frustrating that sometimes i want to I want to be able to react on a, a change to something that's coming through the input. And I, I feel like, you, you know, if, if I'm doing it, if I'm, if I'm changing my values through a subscription, it's easy, right? I just, I set up a subscription and then I can, I can tell my, my code to do something when that value has changed. But if I'm like, you can't, there's not really anything you can do on an input. Is it? I mean, other than using on changes, which I, I like personally, i I'd like don't write any code in on changes. And I, I know I've seen, you know, even in code bases I'm working in at the moment, I see reams and reams of code and on changes. And and maybe for some people that's cool, but um I find that 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 method, that lifecycle hook just gets hammered too much. I mean, am I just am I making a problem that doesn't exist here in, in my own head or what? As far as the input is concerned, if we stick to our principle where we just go for the two level hierarchy and we are just passing data down just for the 
display purposes only. Like uh, Eddie was mentioning earlier that uh, they have a service consumption component and then there is a display component. So basically there's a smart component and a dumb component. So dumb component just displays the data, whatever you threw at it. So at that point, you don't need control over it, you know, because uh, you need to just pass the data down and just display it. That's it. So the the problem comes when you need control over that display. You Maybe you want to make a decision on whether to display something or the else. Now, major things are done by the template itself, like NGF and all. But still, if you want some programmatic control, at that point, what you mentioned would be applicable, where you would need some control over the values that are changing, or maybe make some decision, or maybe log something at least, you know, uh, while the values change. So at that point, inputs would just fail. But uh, then again, the usage of input is what I would like to Again, go back to Eddie's example, like that is the correct usage of input where you just want to have a dumb component and or uh, I'll, I'll call it, I'll not be rude, I'll call it a presentational component. And uh, we, <laughs> we, we just pass the data down and the component just displays the data and that's it. So that's that's where it, the input comes into the picture. Are you freelancing or moonlighting? Or maybe you've thought about going out on your own. Every week, we have a group of developers at various stages of the freelancing journey on The Freelancer Show to talk about becoming better at freelancing. We also bring in experts to talk about marketing, SEO, and delivering high quality to clients. So if you're interested in going freelance or you are freelance, check it out at freelancershow.com. So yeah, good. So when when you add, when you want to be able to react on a change, you should be doing it with a, with an, with, you know, with a subject. Yes. Yes, that's mm. correct. Good, good. I have a kind of crazy idea to throw out here. And um, I will say this is a hypothetical situation in case it's a crazy situation uh, because (laughs) I would not want to admit to having written this. But what do you guys think about having a setter and a getter on your input? So your input triggers a setter function, which then allows you to kind of react to the new values that come in. And then, of course, you would store that in a private variable and then have your getter return that. So it looks like a normal input variable, but it does magical stuff when the setter is triggered. Sounds like yeah. madness. <laughs> and that's that's what basically Chris uh, is suggesting, you know, because at that point when you exactly, uh, exactly that is the scenario when you want to react to some changes, at that point you would hypothetically, if it is possible, you would do that and... Uh, I think it might be possible, like uh, we might want to refer to some hooks that Angular might have for the component lifecycle. And uh, that might be possible. There might be a possibility. I'm not quite, it's not on top of my head, but it should be. There should be something like this, you know, what Eddie is describing uh, in the form of a lifecycle hook in Angular. Yeah, that was just one thing that came to mind. So I thought I'd throw that out there. Mm-hmm. But definitely, I think when you have a lot of complicated logic, like you said, Ravi, like you want to switch to services for sure. Yep. So in that case, we use we do use services and then comes in NGRX, that is the god of compu- component communication. Uh, now, uh, this whole idea, like, uh, I always feel frustrated at point at one point in time where you know the learners that I teach they ca- they come in in my Angular class and the first thing that they ask is are we going to cover NGRX or not? So <laughs> in in that case it's like <laughs> it's like uh, I mean it's not necessary to get NGRX covered you know as far as Angular is concerned because in order to cover NGRX you should have a good experience working with a very big application that uh, would not work without the, this, this sort of a reactive state changing mechanism. And uh, unless that happens, you don't know, the, you'll not be able to know the value of what NGRX adds to your, you know, whole application. 
So what I advise them is to just go step by step, go with services, try to implement. Like I don't even, you know, mention NGRX until at one point they come or until they come to a point where uh, they they think that, okay, this sort of a mechanism like action types and, you know, payload and, uh, you know, dispatching sort of a thing is necessary or effects are necessary. At that point, when a, when a learner reaches at that point, I just throw in, okay, what you were trying so hard from four to five days is here. NGRX, this is the link. You can implement it and you can go ahead with it. So, uh, so for most of the cases, Angular projects, I don't think, it needs NGRX, it needs NGRX, but NGRX is, again, a good way of component communication. But eventually, it's a service that works in the same manner as uh, any service would, but but then it is more organized. You know, uh, It's a global variable. We are, uh, we are always advised against global variables. But then now, because we are rebels, we just come up with an organizational pattern uh, to handle global variables, and then the whole world uses it. You know, so 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 that is that is basically what it is. So that's what also uh, that's also what I love about Redux and NGRX and Vuex and you know Mobex and all all those application state management libraries. It's it's the rebellious nature of those libraries that uh, we are always right from the college we were advised against using global variables, but here we are using global variables, you know, managing stuff. So that is that is good. I think you're right. Like there's you do see a kind of obsession with NGRX. Certainly when it first started to arrive, it felt like everyone, it's all anyone was sort of blogging about in the in the Angular space. Oh, NGRX is here. Way. But actually <laughs> You know, I've worked on you know, several projects that use it now, and I could easily say that I think probably only one of them really needed to have NGRX. You know, so because you, what's you can that have line, it. Chris? Like, if you're looking across these projects that you're working with, is it literally just size of the code base? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I was just working the the one that I think I think would did benefit from it. It's just it's an application that was just handling obscene quantities of data and and that data was constantly being shifted around the application right so in that case it just it made perfect sense and, it, and in fact you know when i when i came on board that project they'd only been adding ngrx to it for i think maybe a couple of months um, it was previously just using um, subscriptions, and it's it's just because the the app had just grown to such huge proportions. And as I say it was just it was constantly shuffling data around that was just being accessed by so many different t- components, sort of at once, who were all a- accessing it and changing things and needing to react to the to the changes. And so, in in that case, yeah, it, it just it made sense to have this sort of central data store. You know, it's exactly what it's is there for to have the central data store where everything could just tap into that one central location for for right. getting data and, and changing it and but you know the 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 project that i worked on directly before that one that had ngrx in it and and it was a tiny app that didn't do much and it was just like just so much work doing all the ngrx stuff when i could easily just have been piping the stuff around with you know, with with my services and subscriptions, so I, th- I think people get a bit ex- overexcited about NGRX, and I think was it, there was a, I, I've I've dug it out. It was in back of my mind. Now I've lost. I'm in the wrong browser. It was a talk by Mike Ryan at uh, Angular Connect in 2018. It's, it's just, you might not need NGRX, and it's like just the <laughs> fact that <laughs> the fact that they need to do a talk <laughs> telling people maybe that they don't need it says a lot about how obsessed people got with it, I think. 
I think it's hard because people just get so excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, it's like whenever you taught, you taught them, you know, instead of inputs and outputs, you can use the subject and they're like, well, I'm going to use this everywhere. And it's the same. It's the same. Everyone just gets excited and, and they use it on all the things. So. <laughs> yeah. And I would also <laughs> like to add on to what Chris uh, just mentioned. The, uh, there is a rule of thumb as well in here when uh, that, that, that whole flash of genius, when you want to use NGRX in your project, you know, uh, where if that generic service that we were talking about, Eddie, if, if that gets out of hand, you know, it has so many things that you need to manage and all. At that point, you you should, um, you know, make a decision and move to NGRX. Uh, and uh, that is when there are a lot of components and, you know, your state, as Chris mentioned, is affecting a lot of things. But right at the onset, if you start with NGRX, uh, because we are always nowadays, like most of the projects are agile, we don't know at what point a project would go or a project would end at. So at that point, I mean, even if uh, you're just using a good service mechanism and a good organized service mechanism, uh, which doesn't have any learning curve, uh, that would also be beneficial for the new newbies or the team members, basically. And uh, you would still be able to live with NGRX uh, or without NGRX, I'm sorry. So basically, it's it's that, you know. So there is always a trade-off or there is always a decision that you have to take with Angular in every aspect, you know right from the beginning because it is really overwhelming there are so many things that are there in angular because it's a framework you know that's the that's the fact of the matter and uh, you have to take a decision when you stop using or when you stop overusing something uh, so that is uh, that is there always we talk about how ngrx might not be needed if a project is too small and then the assumption is that like as ngrx gets or as your project gets bigger ngrx you know, is more needed. On the con or on the inverse side of that, like our product um, at the company I work with, we actually store so much data that there's no way we could load all the data into the web browser at once. Like we actually overwhelm MySQL databases and have to have this like in-memory database called HANA on some instances. So like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of, you know, entities and so because we can't store all of that in the web browser, we actually have to do all of our filtering and querying on the server, which we didn't realize this when we started doing the NGRX and we went full throttle into NGRX in one segment. But it didn't occur to us until after that because we never have all the data in the browser, pre-filtering it on the server actually made NGRX almost completely useless to us and like a lot of overhead because every time we wanted to change the filters, we had to requery the server anyway. And so it was essentially like a temporary local cache, which was not helpful. So when you get to the size that your project is so large, you can't load all the data in the browser. That's also another kind of gotcha with NGRX. Yep. So there is a fine line. So definitely that's like your in-memory database uh, would do the or would play the role of uh, what NGRX would, you know, if you're in-memory database would not have been there. So so that is there. And um, uh, again, uh, this uh, Angular already has provided us a lot to work with. This whole idea of NGRX comes with the idea of Redux and React working together. And uh, people, uh, people just come from that React Redux background and they expect something like Redux to be the savior. But then Angular already has it in the form of services where, you know, it's a singleton, you have your data in in one place and uh, you can you know 
basically check that data anywhere that you want to. And at times, you don't even have to use subject and observable pattern. So services are there, you know, in Angular, and we're good that way. So that is that is there, of course. You absolutely hit the nail on the head with that. You know, I, I worked with a, a young developer oh, a year or so ago who who had come from a, a, a strictly React background, but onto a onto an Angular project. Like literally, the first thing he did was just just added nginx into the project and like raise the pull request and like what are you doing it's like well you need it you know you need the state management it's like okay i get it i I totally get where he's coming from you know because you you've come just as you say rather you know come from a a development environment where state management is a is a widely used thing but just you know angular handles so much of that for you Mm -hmm. this this is this is part of my my sort of bugbear with with nginx you know i i now I now have grown to the point where I don't dislike it because I've used it enough in places where it's been useful that it's it's made my life easier. But it's, yeah, pe- people's obsession with just adding it because they think we need it because it's a thing that exists. But actually, you know, Angular state management is is great uh, a lot of the time until it's not, until you get an expression <laughs> changed after it was checked error. Then it's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So again, uh, I mean, this is all like no, nothing nothing against NGRX, just to clarify, every one of us would agree. Uh, it's just that as a developer, we should have the capacity of making a decision on when to use stuff and when not to. Uh, you should not just be using things because you can. With great power comes great responsibility. So that's the responsibility that you have, you know. So so that is, is there. It's a very classic one, but, but that is true. Absolute <laughs> bonus points for the Spider-Man quote. <laughs> <laughs> At least 10 bonus points. <laughs> Is that where it originated? Because I've heard it in so many places. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. The first Spider-Man, I guess. How, I heard it how the dare first you? Spider-Man. How dare you even ask that <laughs> question? My my bad. Apparently, Spider-Man is more sacred than state management to Chris. So <laughs> You can't see it because of the position of my webcam. Look, I've got... Uh, uh, oh, right, right oh, there yeah. on the behind me, Spider-Man. Oh, nice. Right, just one right next many, to your it? Minecraft pick. Yeah, I've got, I'm loving I've got, it. I've got one right here. <laughs> There's one I can't reach. I love Spider-Man. Anyway. Uh, nice. <laughs> so are we, are Robbie... we moving to Spider-Man now? Or <laughs> no, kind of. I could keep I... going for hours if we did that. <laughs> same we here, are actually coming up on the top of the hour, Ravi, and I was wondering... Is there any like last closing like statements that you'd like to say before we move on to picks about just really, you know, component communication and what you suggest people do and resources, et cetera? <laughs> uh, so what I, what I suggest, like uh, not, not only component communication, but more of a general thing, whenever you want to, like, this is for the learners, because I think along with the developers, there would be people who might want to learn Angular who might be listening to this particular podcast. So if you want to learn something, just go to the official documentation and that's it. All right. So you don't have to, uh, most of the time, you don't have to hop around seeing long videos just to implement certain things. You know, official documentations are great. As far as Angular is concerned, it is awesome. Uh, that is that is where I learn most of the things from. And mm-hmm. uh, then I go to the videos if something, like some people might have some different thought process and that is also important to grasp. You know, no disrespect to anyone. So we might just, uh, we might just want to have uh, the documentation to be preferred first, then the rest of it. About component communication services, 
subject and observable like uh, you you should know what a subject is you should know what a behavior subject is and observable is and um, you know how to implement it maybe you know if you want to have reactive local storage you might want to go for a behavior subject but if you don't want to do that that is also possible so rxjs is also not the answer to everything so with for example uh, you know last example i would give uh, is that if uh, for example i have uh, my user and my token in my local storage and i have a user service getting that local storage for me it is not necessary for me to use any rxjs concept still it would be reactive because that's how services in angular work so 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 basically the bottom line is angular has provided us a lot of things to work with and uh, it, it is it, it is just not fair to go for other options unless you already have tried your hand on the existing ones and um, you know if that doesn't work for you then go for external resources because we don't want to make our app heavier than it is already you know so so that is that is basically what it is wonderful wonderful well i Honestly, I really loved listening to you explain things and the examples you had were just incredible. I think it really lent a, a great hand to audio only podcasts, I think. So thank you for the coming on and teaching us and walking through things. Before we jump over to picks, I just wanted to say that I can see why people like seek you out for training because I, don't, I could literally listen to you talk all day. So <laughs> um, the thing is, so yeah. uh, just a fun fact, uh, uh, the other day, like every time I review my video, I just sleep halfway down. You know, I just fell asleep. I just fall asleep when I when I just review my own videos that I record. You know, so <laughs> I don't know about others, but I don't really enjoy listening to myself that much. <laughs> <laughs> great, ad- great advertisement there for your for your training services. <laughs> I put myself to sleep, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I make it a rule of thumb never to listen to myself. So <laughs> uh, that advice taken. Have you thought about learning to do native iOS development? Are you using Swift at work? Or maybe you've considered writing applications for macOS. We have a podcast that covers all of that called iFreaks. We have a new panel and a lot of exciting things to talk about. So come check us out at iFreaksShow.com. So does anybody have picks, Eddie or Chris, before we let Ravi do some picks? Yeah, I got one pick. The whole of like social media... Uh, certainly in my social media feed is just full of people obsessing over Animal Crossing at the moment. Looking at Eddie now, he's he's one of them. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, I've done the only sensible thing and I recently acquired a copy of Pokemon Sword for my Switch and I've been really enjoying it. It's really good. Uh, I'm trying to resist the Animal Crossing bandwagon, but I feel like that raccoon's coming after me. At some he point. is. He's hunting you down, Chris. Like, yeah. literally, there's a raccoon chasing you. Because, like, yeah. you know. <laughs> I don't think we have raccoons over here, so I think I'm probably all right. We, we got our own stuff. <laughs> but yes, my, my pick, Pokemon Sword. I enjoy it. Nice. Yeah, I've got two picks. One, I don't think I've said this before. If I have... Well, repeat pick, but um, one pick is Sentry, like a guard, S-E-N-T-R-Y. It's a service that allows you to report basically like JavaScript errors and stuff to a third-party server so that you can then see like, you know, of your software installation, like what errors are coming back. And so for a long time, like we've had no way, like we find bugs with our QA team, like through our own usage, but we have, you know, if a customer doesn't say, Hey, I have this bug, like 
we have no way to know. And so we've started implementing that. And it's really interesting just to be able to suddenly have an error pop up on a dashboard and be like, oh, wow, like, okay, someone ran into the error, like, and it shows you where in the code as if you're looking at the JavaScript console. And it shows like what they clicked on just before and stuff. So we haven't gotten to use a whole, whole lot, but uh, definitely started to dive into it. And it's really exciting. So I am super excited about that. And my second pick is, so I, I was one of those Evernote people that like started putting everything in Evernote um, when it came out with the web clipper and everything. And it was like my brain for everything. And then they went through all their changes and nothing against Evernote, but I got less excited about Evernote. The problem is I had no replacement. And so I've just gone without an external brain, which is not super helpful. And so this week I found Notion, which I'm probably late to the Notion train. Probably everyone else knows about Notion, but Notion essentially like allows you to kind of replace like Google Docs and it has some like kind of basic like task tracking stuff in it and like stuff. But for me, it seems like a really big replacement for Evernote where I can just kind of put all my thoughts in there. I can take notes in there. It has a web clipper. And so if I'm on a website, I can be like, hey, grab this HTML, throw it into a page in Notion. So I'm just getting started with it this week, but I am really excited to have a placement for Evernote after my long dark like the like the do you use the client on like the the app or do you use like inside the browser like how do you use it yeah so I have a app on uh, my Mac Mm -hmm. and then and I haven't started I know there's an app on, on iPhone but I haven't done that yet but yeah in the web browser like I use a web clipper plugin for the browser but then the actual engaging with the material I use in the Mac Okay, cool. Yeah. I've been addicted to Dropbox paper for a while now, but sometimes the like offline experience can be painful. So, <laughs> nice. um, so yeah, I will definitely check out Notion. It's a great pick. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty cool. So that's mine. Awesome. Uh, I've been playing around with the Oculus Quest lately. My work sent me and the other advocates on my team one. They said, hey, we want you to start programming in Unity and uh, making online events for people. And I was like, that's crazy cool. So I've actually never put on a headset before this. So if you haven't and you get an opportunity to, I definitely suggest it because I was one of those naysayers. I was like, it's not going to be that cool. And it literally blew my mind. So definitely, if you get a chance to put on a VR headset, I I would recommend trying it out. Um, So yeah, that's my pick. But also, Ravi is my pick. I'm actually so, so excited to have met you and follow you on all the social medias. So can you please tell us where people can find you and reach out to you and learn from you? So uh, I have my YouTube channel. It goes by my name itself, Ravi Veliat. And uh, I have uh, some Angular tutorials going on right now uh, in in that uh, particular channel itself. Uh, so y- you would have uh, you would be able to you know see the tutorials here. And then my last name Valiat.com is my website. All my contact info is provided in there. Anyone who wants to basically uh, share any thoughts or maybe ask any questions. They can directly, like, I get emails from people asking some doubts or questions or, uh, you know, some problems that they have uh, with their projects and all. And I try my best to, you know, answer them basically to the best of my abilities. So, 
So that's where, and then you can follow my Twitter, same name, you know. So, uh, so there are there are ways. If you just Google uh, my name, I think my my website might come up. So that is also there. These are the ones that you can follow. Yeah, and I want to spell it. So it's R A V I. It's his first name, and then V E L I Y A T for his last name. So definitely worth the follow. A very cool cat. So. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, for the marvelous episode today. Uh, I hope everyone has uh, fun and safe programming for this afternoon. And we'll see you guys for the next one. So thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, great to have you. Cheers, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.